Ya mi alma te alaba, Señor. Mi alma te glorifica, Padre. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Our hearts in your hands, Lord. We gave our hearts to you many years ago, or who knows, maybe last week. But we gave our heart to you, and our hearts in your hand, Lord. And we know that you're the God of love, because you are love. And Lord, we know that you'll do fine with our hearts. Help us to obey and follow after you, Lord. We give you our hearts. That means we're in love with you. We're madly in love with you, Lord. We have to talk to you every day. We have to read of your, your precious love letter you wrote to us, Lord, because we're madly in love with you. Lord, we have to be with you every waking moment of the day. We need you for everything in our lives. And when you're not close, we miss you terribly because we moved away. We know it wasn't you. We, it was us. I was thinking the other day and praying, Lord, and, you know, it says, Today, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But then I think a lot of people, we think we're walking. Some of those valleys are so dark and so dreary and, and so full of death, Lord. Those are the times that you carry us yes, through the, the, the valley of death, Lord. And we thank you for those times. We could think back over our lives and we could just would be in awe of how many times you delivered us and, and uh, saved us. Lord, and we're just so thankful. Help us to live in a thankful state for who you are. And Lord, may our lives bring glory and honor to you. Lord, we ask the presence of your Holy Spirit to reveal to us what it is that you would have to say to the church today, whether we be over the Internet, whether we be listening down the, down the way on, on, on the web somewhere, Lord, or whether we're here today. Lord, speak to our hearts. And let us hear what your Holy Spirit has to say to us. And may you receive all the glory when we leave this place, Lord, as we live our lives for you. And as our, we show our fellow man that our heart is in your hands. And Lord, that they too might want to ask you into their heart. So Lord, we thank you and praise you. We bind back evil forces of wickedness in Jesus' name right now. We loose your Holy Spirit to speak to us and your holy angels to place guard around this place and around this property. And Lord, we give it all over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, church, again. Again, for those of you online, you're listening to the Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani, and we're glad you're here today. Um, we're doing a study. Uh, on on the life of a soldier really is what it is but you know and I, I try to equate this that you the church are soldiers a lot of us forgot that a lot of us forgot that I want to read you second uh, Timothy 2 3 and 4 we even sang in in and you've probably had your children probably even sang in children's group you know that that uh, we're the army of the Lord, onward Christian soldier, you know, different things like that. And we forgot over the years that we are soldiers. Here's what Paul says to Timothy, his uh, protege, the one he's been discipling all along. He says in verse 2, The things which you have heard from me and in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as, as a good soldier of Christ, Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. See, we are equated to soldiers in the scriptures. We don't war with weapons of uh, warfare like guns and knives and swords. You know, um, warriors do that, earthly warriors. Politicians, they war with fancy words and, and, uh, and things like that. But the soldier of God fights with the weapons that God has given to us. And, and as we go through this study, we're gonna, I'm going to show you, I actually showed you a lot of them last week. Last week, we were, we were getting into the evil part, what can I say, the, the, the place where we were, we're told by scriptures that we have authority over the devil 
and the devil has no authority over us. From the scriptures, I named probably 15, 12 to 15 scriptures that showed you that. And then while that was happening, the power went out. <laughs> you know, so it's like, hey, you know, the devil don't want you to know that you are victorious as a soldier in Christ. The battle has already been won. Jesus won the battle at Calvary. All we do is fight the firefights in this life on this earth. The little firefights, the little skirmishes that come up. The battle's already won. Jesus won it. Read Daniel chapter 7. The big horn, the little horns are boasting great blasphemies against the ancient of days. And here comes the Son of Man. And the Son of Man defeats the devil. And the ancient of days, God Almighty, El Shaddai says from the throne, I, here's my verdict. I rule in favor of the saints. It's time for the saints to possess the kingdom. You're not going to possess the kingdom if you're not a soldier. We are soldiers of Christ, and we fight with the very words of God. And uh, though every soldier needs to know that. So this study is, is on that basis, that we, we are soldiers of Christ. I just want to, I was going to continue with last week's study because I got cut off right in the middle. But as I was praying last night and over the week, you know, am, am I going to continue? Because I gave you a lot of scripture and I got a lot more to go on that. Different kings in the Bible that, that, that operated that way, you know. Um, and, um, and I thought, you know what, it's good enough. It's good enough for right now. So I'm going to move on. Here's, I'm just going to give you the outline. We're having eight lessons in this series. Number one, the series is called About Face. Every soldier knows what About Face. It means turn around, go the other direction. And what that means is repentance, church. It means repentance. There is no salvation without your repentance for your sin. To God, God, I sinned against you. It was the reason why you sent Jesus to die for my sins. He was the only holy one and the only one righteous enough to die for, for the sins of man. There is no righteous man on the face of the earth. Even people say, why do bad things happen to good people? From a biblical standard, there are no good people because you're comparing yourself with somebody else. But a Christian needs to compare himself with God. And I'm telling you, there, you know, uh, we, we don't stand a lick comparing ourselves to God. Every single one of us has to repent. We inherited the sins of, Ab of, of Adam and Eve. So even if you think you can live a holy life on this earth, you still have the original sin of Adam and Eve, and that means you still need a Savior. You have to repent. You have to about-face. Repentance means about-face. Go in the other direction. What What... God is saying in that about face is he's saying, I want you. I want every person on the face of this earth, all seven and a half billion people on the face of the earth. God wants them. You're a soldier. You need to about face. That's your first plan. About face, repent. Number two, second lesson we learned was basic training. It's discipleship. After you come to Christ, you have to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Christ, which you'll be doing all of your life. But in the early stages of your life, you need to go to basic training, just like a soldier. After he's, uh, he's brought into the army and he enlists as a soldier by accepting Jesus as a Savior, he has to go to basic training. And in that basic training, he learns how to handle weapons like this is the soldier's weapon. So that means you have to read Scripture, memorize Scripture, quote Scripture. That's what Jesus did in the desert, if you remember right, when the devil tempted him. The devil said, you can, uh, you know, um, jump off this uh, building and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And Jesus said, it is written. That is the word of God. It is written. And then he lashed out you know, with the Word, with the Scripture of God. And that's what we need to do. You learn how to handle a weapon. You learn how to throw grenades in, in the army. You learn how to throw a, a smoke bomb at, at the devil because he's the one trying to smoke you. If you believe it, you just believed his lie because Jesus has already defeated the devil at the cross. He's made an open spectacle of him, and he triumphed over him. So, and since you're a saint... You live in that victory. So the next, that was basic training. You need to be trained. 
That's what Paul was saying here. Suffer hardship with me. Basic training is hard. Even in Christianity, it's hard to memorize Scripture. It's hard to make, uh, a, you know, a half hour a day or whatever it is to pray. It's hard to grab your Bible and pray. Everything else wants to enter in and take that away. Basic training teaches you how to discipline yourself. I know when I was in the Army, before I went to the Army, I was the most undisciplined uh, kid you ever want to meet. But I'll tell you what, first twos I got, into basic training, I remember running from Pittsburgh to Fort Dix, New Jersey on a bus. And as soon as we pulled on base, we're thinking, oh, man, we're joining the Army and the drill sergeants out there. You got 30 seconds to get off of this bus. We were jumping out the windows. I'm telling you. You know what? It teaches you discipline. I learned discipline very quick. I was chewing gum when it happened. The, the drill, software, drill sergeant got me. He says, are you chewing gum? Swallow it or throw it out right now. I was dumb. I swallowed it. You know, I never chewed gum again, I don't think. You know, I learned it was hard, but I was disciplined. By the time I was done with that eight weeks of, of, of uh, discipline, discipleship training, man, I, I was not the same guy I was when I came in on that bus that day. Okay? So, basic training is hard. You're a soldier. It says right here, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ, for no soldier in active service entangles himself in the world. When you're in basic training, you're, you're, your world is, is the basic training. There's no entanglements. You don't get any calls home. Maybe today's Army they do. I don't know, but we weren't allowed to call home at all. I was homesick. I was never been away from home in my life. That taught me discipline. And it taught me how to use my army weapons, M16, 50 caliber, 60 caliber, throw grenades into a ditch, how to crawl on your belly. We did all that. It was hard. I wasn't entangled with my home life anymore. It was all disappeared because I was focused on this and had to get it done. And that's what happens when you become a Christian. You accept Jesus. You go into the you go into basic training and you learn discipline. And it's all about about the army now. It's all about the fighting. And that's what the Christian does when he first gets saved. He should go through discipleship training with your pastor or uh, leader in the church. And then number the lesson number three. Last week was reveille. It's a call to attention. So number one, we have repentance. Number two, we have discipleship. Number three, we have a call to attention. Reveille. Every morning that trumpet went off. It was dark. You had like 20 minutes to get dressed, fully geared up, and get into formation and stand at attention when the drill sergeant comes by. It's a call to attention, church. The world is lost. There are many, many people in the valley of decision. They're headed to hell. They're ready to go over the waterfall and, and be drowned in the, in the pit of hell. And there's, there's just a couple life rafts out there like the Christians that we are. There's a couple little islands that Christians are hanging over the edge trying to pull them in. In onto the, the safe land where Jesus is. But people keep flowing over the cliff, over the cliff, over the rocks and into the, the pit of hell because the soldiers uh, aren't doing enough work for the Lord. We need to get out there. We need to save uh, people. Well, Jesus saves them. You just got to uh, do it. They call to attention. The world is lost. It's time for the church to wake up. That's what Reveille's about. Blowing the trumpet, you wake up, and you get out there and do the work. But now some churches and even all of, a lot of America and a lot of countries have fallen asleep. Jesus even rebuked the church, one of the seven churches in Revelation. He says, you think you're awake, but you're, you're dead, basically. He actually said you're dead. So we got a call to attention. That's what this, this study is. This is a call to attention for the church. It's time to wake up. The light has come. The darkness is coming. The trumpet's about to sound. We're to wake up. Now tonight, today, we are in, in lesson four, which I call AIT. 
AIT, Advanced Instructional Training. Okay, if you're in the Army, you're in, you're now you're in after basic training. After you 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 receive Christ, you repent and you turn around. You go to basic training. After that, you've been tested. In the army, you're going to be tested for what you are gifted in. Okay, so so the army decides what you are gifted in because they gave you all these tests, and then they send you to AIT, Advanced Instructional Training, to learn how to grow in that, that gift that they think you, you, uh, you should be in. You know, uh, so, so now they want to train you in that. So that's what, I'm going to relate this chapter, like the spiritual gifts that each one of you have, every one of us. God has given you all gifts. And it's time for us to take those gifts and put them into use. So after you go to AIT, Advanced Instructional Training, maybe the Army thought that you, you, know, you were big and strong and you looked like you could jump out of airplanes, so he puts you in the paratroopers. Maybe they see that you're pretty sharp with that weapon and you could put you know, uh, 20 rounds into the heart of a target out, out of 50 yards. And they make you a sniper. You know, or maybe, maybe they saw that you could handle that M60 machine gun pretty good, so now they make you a helicopter gunner. You know, and me, I'm going to use me, for example, somehow they thought that I had good hearing, and somehow they thought I had good memorization. They put me into radio communications where I had to learn Morse code. We started out with over 300 guys. About 10 or 12 excelled beyond that and were taken into even higher places. And then we ended up with about 35 or 40 of us, maybe 50 at the max, that actually graduated and could send and receive Morse code, uh, 75 letters a, a minute or something like that. Send and receive. And that's, uh, that was used in, in the Army. You know, if I needed to have, if I needed to send a message, I had my thing there or I could talk over the air. If, in the, uh, if you ever watched the movie Wind Talkers during World War II, you know, the Japanese could, you know, they knew Morse code. Everybody knew Morse code by this time. So Morse code was kind of like filtering out. But during World War II, they had to take Guadalcanal or one of those places like that, and they decided nobody knows the Navi Navajo Indian language. So they trained the Navajo Indians to be in communications so that they could talk in Navajo, and the Japanese and the Germans had no idea what they were talking about because nobody knew that, that, that language. And therefore, it's, it saved many lives. By, by them talking in Navajo, and only another Navajo at the other end could redeem. And it was, they had a Navajo that, that was in communications, he had guards with him everywhere he went. He could be a private, but he was guarded by a captain and some sergeants because they couldn't afford to lose him. Communication is so important, even in a marriage. Communication, you, you get out, and if there's no communication, you're in trouble. Communication is very important. So you have to communicate. So, so uh, you know, everything in the army is important as we move along. And everything in the, every spiritual gift that God gives in the Bible is important. Otherwise, he wouldn't give it to us. And we're going to get into them today, hopefully, if I can finish this. There's a lot to it. Uh, so advanced instructional training. Today, I'm going to be going through the gifts of the Spirit, 16 of them. And I don't know, I could look around this church, since I know a lot of you pretty much, I could probably pick out some of your gifts. Maybe you don't even know it, but I know it. Or maybe you know something that I don't know. You're gifted in, you know, um, whatever, and you, you, um, you've been acting in that. Well, God, it's not just one gift. God could give you many gifts. Not only could I, not only could I uh, send and receive Morris code at 75 letters a minute, you know, I knew how to handle an M16. I was raised with weapons. My dad and I loaded our own shells, 30-06 and 270 shells. We loaded them up, and we were hunting all the time. 
I'm glad I never killed hardly anything because I like animals. But, uh, you know, I was pretty good at one time. But the Army didn't pick that out on me because there was night fire one time. And we were firing night and see if you could see at night. You have to let your eyes focus for like 20 minutes. And you're supposed to shoot at the target in front of you. I put 20 rounds in the guy's target next to me. <laughs> anyway, listen. It's time for advanced instructional training, and that's what this is. Every soldier has a gift. So, here's the here's some some of the verses I want to get to. Is the main verse? Well, the main verse is going to come up in a few minutes. But here, advanced instructional training. You know what Paul told or Peter quoted he said but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ now you have to grow in the knowledge of whatever gift that you have given from God okay they call that after you're out they call it MOS which is your military occupational specialty that was my specialty my specialty was so rare and so highly killed in Vietnam that I went four ranks in two m and before a year was out. Four ranks. And when they sent me to Vietnam, I outranked everybody in the commo unit, the communication unit, by two or three ranks. And I pulled rank to make sure I could stay alive, believe me, because the drill sergeant taught me that. Listen, MOS, military occupational specialty. Well, the Lord has given you God's occupational special specialty, and that's the gifts that you have. God's given you strengths, and you probably know some of your weakness. I know our brother Harry, who's not here today, they're away, but he was, they thought he was a good paratrooper, and he made him a paratrooper. You know, um, I know Jim was in the Army. I don't know if, uh, what, what, what his branch was. What were you, Jim? Search and rescue pilot. Search and rescue pilot. Okay, listen. So that was his gift. He could fly. You know, mine was the, the, the Morris Code. Okay? He, and God intends you to use these gifts as your strong points as uh, during the time that you're a soldier. Okay? Much of that time is in the classroom. Again, in, in, in this AIT training, you're actually in the classroom a lot. Again. Okay? So... God's giving you these gifts. These gifts are given to you to use for God's glory, not your glory. Isaiah 42, 8 says, God says, listen, I'm the Lord. Nobody's going to steal my glory. Nobody. You can go to the next chapter, chapter 43 of Psalm. There's a, almost the exact same verse. Nobody is going to steal my glory. You know, you want to be like the devil? Just steal God's glory. Because that's what Lucifer did. He tried to steal God's glory. You want to steal God's glory, you're never more like Satan uh, than any other time in your life. God's given you a gift. It's given to you to, for God's glory, not for your glory. He intends you to use it in the ministry that, that he has given you or the church that you're in. You're beginning now to mature as a soldier of Christ. You're beginning to mature. You're, you're forgetting now you've been away from home at least um, 16 weeks. You're beginning. You forgot your former life. You basically did. You forgot it. You're now a soldier. You're not entangled in those things anymore. Now you have to advance with your gift toward the purpose that your Captain Jesus has called you because this verse says in second timothy you know so that you may please the one who enlisted you as a soldier so you have this gift from god and you're supposed to use it for his glory so you can please your captain and your captain is jesus christ you'll find that in in joshua chapter 5 i think it's verse 14 or 16 You must advance now. It's a called advanced instructional training. You're to advance toward the purpose that the captain has called you. You're to study, to show yourself approved unto God as a workman who needs not to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. 
Not just swinging the word of truth around, hit people over the head with your Bible, but learn how to take your sword, which is every word of the Bible here, every verse, 31,102 verses, I believe, in the Bible. That's every, every one of them is a sword. And you're supposed to use that sword accurately, you know, rightly dividing the word of truth. So accurately teaching other people about, about God, okay? You don't just swing a sword and just throw any verse at them. There's verses that will pierce right to their heart, whatever issue you're talking about. And usually the Holy Spirit will throw that or give that to you in your spirit, and you will be able to quote it. Believers are now on, believers are now on the same side, but we have different responsibilities. All believers, all soldiers are on the same side. They're on the same side of Jesus. And I see Christians in the, in the world, they're bashing this Christian over here and this Christian over here. They think their way is the only way. It's not the only way. We have to agree on the one thing that's true, that Christ came, that Christ died, that Christ was buried, and Christ is risen the third day according to the Scriptures. If, you have, if this church over here has a different uh, ministry than we have, then you don't get mad at them. You work with them. That's what you have to do. Now, in the Army, there's infantry. There's frontline warfare. There's artillery. I liken that to, to faith. The, art, the infantry... I call that the frontline soldiers, the spiritual soldiers. They're the frontliners. They're the ones that go out on reconnaissance missions, like missionaries. They go out. Even if you're on a part-time or a, or a short-term mission, you're on a reconnaissance mission for the Lord. You're winning souls, delivering people through the blood of Christ. You know, this is it. They're your infantry. Just because, you know, this ministry don't believe that, but you're doing it over here because you're gifted for it, don't argue with one another you're on the same army same thing then you got artillery that's faith you know you believe the artillery just takes out whatever's in front of you if there's a mountain in front of you it takes out the mountain okay so artillery is very important artillery is faith faith moves mountain jesus said have faith in god if you say to this mountain be taken up and cast in the sea and don't doubt in your heart but believe that what you prayed will happen god will grant it to you Mark 11, 23 and 24. Listen, see, artillery is faith. Have faith that moves mountains. And there's communication, preaching and teaching, you know, children, communication. You, got, you know, people, there's certain people that can communicate with children better than I. I started out teaching children. Boy, I couldn't take it. I started then I got then I got fifth graders, sixth graders, and they I couldn't take that. I'm going like this ain't my ministry. And then my pastor asked me to speak in front of the men's group at a Saturday breakfast, and and I spoke there and I felt completely comfortable. So I you know I began to learn my gift. I you know I teach. I like to teach, but I don't like to teach children as much because I like. I'm gravitated towards adults. You guys actually sit there and listen instead of picking your nose. You know? So that's what that's what it is. Then you got the medics. They're the miracle workers. The medics are a miracle. I have a friend of mine that joined the Air Force. He's been in the Air Force. He's out now, retired. He's been in the Air Force like 22 years. I think he lives in Texas, yeah, at least last time I knew it. You know, he's a miracle worker. He's a medic. You know, you can compare that to a, a person in the scriptures that has a gift of miracles. A sniper. You're trained to be a sniper. You're a one-on-one -on -one evangelist. A one-on-one -on -one evangelist. Maybe you're like, you know, we have a brother in this church that drives people around, and he has them in in the back seat for, for who knows, a half hour or an hour. And he's preaching to them all the way, passing out the, even the church cards. He's a, he's a sniper. He's one-on-one -on -one evangelism. There's mechanics, and they're repairers of the breach. There's people in the church that encourage you and exhort you and lift you up. These are important things. There's the office staff. You need administration. There's people that are gifted for administration. And we need to keep note of that. Just because they believe a little bit different than you, we are in the same army. There's supply clerks. What do they do? They equip you. 
When I got to Vietnam, I told you, they, I think they gave me three sets of boots and a dozen pairs of socks. I don't remember. But it was so important. Keep your feet dry. It rained four months out of the, every day for out of the year, four months. You were walking in the mud up to your knees. Your feet were taken out. You're not an effective soldier. These are important things that need to be learned. That's why the Lord says, you know, blessed are the feet that bring tidings of good news to all the world. If your feet are taken out, you're an ineffective soldier. Okay? Um, no matter what position you hold or what even rank you hold, you're still on the same side. You're still on the same side. You're a team. There's no I in team. Team. You're not greater than the next guy. Just because he's a captain and you're a private doesn't mean you're you're greater than him, or he's greater than you. Not in God's eye. He loves you all the same. But you have a position. The Father has an uh, a position of administrator. Jesus has a position of uh, position of revelation. No, no of uh, of uh, you know working on earth to do the job that needed to be done. And this Holy Spirit is the operation in the world today. But they're all one, aren't they? God the Father, the administrator, Jesus, the revelation, and the Holy Spirit, the operation in the world today. We're on the same team. You never hear the Trinity fighting within itself, and we shouldn't fight within ourselves. I'll give you a true story. When I was in Vietnam in Sharang Valley, it was a big mountain, and I was uh, on the mountain in communications because that's where he set up the antennas to get long-range signals. I even picked up KDKA radio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania from Vietnam. Okay? But we came down from the mountain, and we were, the, the unit was in. The radios could stay off for a while. The unit was in. The, the cavalry that guarded our engineer, our, where we were combat engineers, the, the cavalry that guarded the combat engineers, one of them got in fight with, a, with, a, with two of the engineers. They were on bulldozers or, you know, they, or tra low boy trailers with tanks and stuff on them or uh, APCs on them. But they got into a fight one night because they thought one was better than the other. The cavalry thought they were better than the engineers. The engineers thought they were better than the cavalry. They went and got a couple of weapons, started shooting at each other, and one of them died. One of them was killed. Now we're one man less. We're one man less to save the world because you just shot your own man and killed him. That's a true story. I read the papers from the hometown of where the boy was killed, and it was nowhere near what happened. I'm going to tell you that right now. One position is not greater than the other. So if you have the gift of tongues and you have the gift of prophecy, it's really not, well, I guess you can't use that one <laughs> because tongues is the least of the gifts. And it's the least of the gifts for only one reason. It edifies you, where the other gifts edify the whole church. I have the gift of tongues, and when I speak in tongues, even last night when I was putting this all together, I was praying in tongues. You, I, you would never know that if I didn't tell you that. But the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. He, he wanted me to pray for, I guess, today or what I was getting together. But I don't look up on myself because I have the gift of tongues and you don't. You might have the gift of prophecy and I don't. We're together in this. We're in the same army. Quit fighting with one another. I go on the internet, I see this guy bashing this guy, and that guy bashing that guy, and I'm thinking, like, well, are we on the same team? How do you expect to win a war? Jesus said, what did he say? You know it, right? A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand? Likewise, you know, we are an army of the living God. Here's what the scriptures say, John 4:36. He who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 8. I'm going to go to the key verse of this. He who plants seeds, 
of salvation and waters those seeds of salvation are the same. So that means while our brother Brett is in Brazil with his wife Nona and the kids, you and him are the same because you're in the same heart. Who do you think supports them? Other Christians, so you're supporting them, okay? You are the same. Just because you one plants, Billy Graham uh, planted a lot of seeds. He reaped a lot of seeds. But you're the same. You're the same because you have a function in God's army. Here's a soldier's specialty. I'm going to read a lengthy passage for you here. This is 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 7 through 22. I believe this is the New King James. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same, by the one Spirit, and another the the effectual of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing each one individually as he wills. For even as the body is one, and yet are many members, like the army now, think what I just went through, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. One, one unit, one army, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves or free, let me add something, whether black or white. And we were made to drink of the same, drink of the one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. The army is not one body, but many. If the foot says, because I am a hand, I am not part of the body, it is for this reason any, is it for this reason any less a part of the body? No. And if the ear says, because I cannot see, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole hearing were, were would be a sense of smell, but now I think I'm getting mixed up here. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole hearing were, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired, just like the army. The army decided where your gifts were. They put you in that kind of a situation. That's what God does. He gives you a gift, and now he's going to put you in a situation to use your gift. If they, verse 19, were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but only one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. We're one. Quit fighting with one another. Just because Freedom Church is a small church, why should we fight with the big churches out there that have thousands of people? I like the small churches better. I was a pastor of one of 29 pastors in a mega church. I like the smaller church better. I know you personally. I can call you by name. I can pray for you by name. 29 pastors of a church of 20,000 people. I got 500 people to take care of. It's impossible. So that's why I like the little churches better. I think you're more effective. Billy Graham came out of a little church. I thought, or the guy that led Billy Graham to the Lord just had a little church. One army with various kinds of gifts, just like the military. God's army is one army with different kind of gifts. Disunity. The army with a, ver a variety of, of different gifts. There's, if there's disunity, there can't be because we're on the same team. We're on the same division. We have the same goal is to get people to know Christ or to receive Christ with all their heart. 
the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines are no, no different than the Methodists and the Catholics and the Protestants and the Baptists and the Calvaryites or whatever church you're in. As long as you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's your bottom line, we need to be no, realize we're all on the same team. Our captain told us, good soldiers fight together, not each other. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, or else we will lose the battle. Vietnam was lost. You know why? Because we weren't unified. And the Christian church will lose the battle if we are not unified. And one goal, one goal really is that people need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They need to repent and do an about face. Then you'll see the world start to change. And that's the main purpose that should be given. Since you're a soldier of Christ, you don't entangle yourself in the world. The gossip, different stuff like that, which I'll get into. Friendly fire, I call it. Friendly fire. Jesus said, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be liable to the judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be liable to the Sanhedrin. But whoever says, fool, shall be liable to be thrown into the fire of hell. Therefore, if you offer your gift on the altar and remember that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Some friendly fires are accidental. It happens. A brother or a sister you may have hurt through gossip and you didn't even know it. Um, I'll tell you what, in the Christian church you've got three things to do with gossip. You can collect it and use it against your brother. You can scatter it and damage the person completely, openly, before everybody, or you can do what's right with it, dispose of it. Dispose of it. That's friendly fire. You don't cut down your brother. Yet I see it on the Internet all the time. I've had people leave this church because I like this guy and they didn't. You think that's funny? That's not. I love those people and still do. Accidental fire. And then there's self-inflicted fire. Listening to the wrong voice. And not doing all that you can to stand to the, for the Lord Jesus. They, tr they uh, hurt themselves. They shoot themselves in the foot. That's what we're doing when we cut down these other churches. We're shooting a, a, another fellow in the foot. You could do permanent damage if you do that. People did that in Vietnam. They shot themselves in the foot, fingering they'd go home. Some of them did go home with a ruined foot. Some of them, the bullet just went right through. They sent them to Japan, sent them back to Vietnam. That's self-inflicted. You can do it yourself. You can shoot yourself in the foot. You can cause damage, temporary or permanent. Your opponent, listen to this. The devil had to plant that in your mind. The devil... 1 Peter 5, your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. One time I preached this and another pastor said, I said, I said this, the devil is not a roaring lion. Do you see what it says there? Pay attention to that little word, like. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He can't do you damage unless you give him ammunition. Jesus crushed him at the cross. He crushed his skull. That means his teeth are shattered. His claws were torn out, as far as I'm concerned. And the only way he can touch you is if you give him the ammunition to touch him, to touch you. Okay, Jesus, let's liken it this way. Jesus disarmed the enemy at the cross and made an open spectacle of him. Let's say that he disarmed him of a 38 but you went out and opened the door and went into uh, some kind of sin 
Okay, and now you just gave the enemy a 38 shell to stick into that weapon and to shoot you with. Now you're in trouble. That's called an open door. Resist him and be firm in faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. After you have suffered for a while, the God of all grace who called you in Christ Jesus to his eternal glory will restore you. I know when I was ordained or graduated from Bible college, this is the verse they used. They will restore you, establish you, strengthen you, and support you. Power belongs to him forever and ever. Amen. Then, another friendly fire is premeditated murder. I'm going to give you a big one on that in the Christian church called divorce. You know what a divorce is? When you get married, you become a we. When you get divorced, you become a me. You turn the we upside down. That was not God's intentions. Now, some of us had no, that got divorced, have no responsibility there. The other one just left or cheated on you or did whatever, and they left you, and you have no say in the matter. That's called greed. They wanted it. They wanted all that they can get. They didn't care about you or anybody else. That's murdering the marriage or the family. It's upside down from God's plan for life. Remember, the army's one. The army is one. Where is it here? We as soldiers are not to use these against another, but rather against whom the Christian soldier fights. Jesus told us that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. How then can an army stand if we fight against one another? You must remember that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he wills. Now, I get this is a big problem in the church. A lot of people say, well, you know, you can demand a, whatever gift you want off of God, and, and he may give it to you. But you might not be ready for it. If you're... If your two-year-old tells you she wants a a bicycle and she's two years old, you are not going to give her a bicycle. You know what you'll give her? A tricycle. Because she doesn't know balance yet. God isn't going to give something that you aren't ready to handle. He distributes the gifts as he he sees fit. I think, you know, everybody's eyes turn to this gift of tongues here. I am a big supporter of tongues. I think everyone should have the gift of tongues. But God may say, hey, you you need you administration more importantly right now. (laughs) Okay. Chapter 13. Okay. Let me read this because I want to get it clear to you. From the lengthy passage above, we can see how important it is that we work together as one unit. If you would notice carefully, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about unity of the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about the gifts of prophecy and tongues. So what happened to chapter 13, which skipped from 12 to 13? Well, I'm going to tell you what 13 is. 13 is the meat of those three chapters. That's a, you just got a bread sandwich from the Lord, a love sandwich from the Lord. Chapter 13 is the meat of that sandwich. Chapter 13 is describing the attributes of love. The gifts of the Spirit are connected and should be sandwiched by the greatest gift of all, love. Instead of, my brother needs a gift of tongues, or my brother needs a gift of prophecy, or uh, you need to you do this and do that. No, no. It needs to be sandwiched in love. Because that's why I believe God put it here. Because 12 is the gifts of the diversity of the gifts of the Spirit. And Proverbs 14 talks about the, the gifts of the tongues and prophecy. And what is it? They Churches fight over this, and they forgot the middle chapter, love. You've got to love this. 
The gifts of the Spirit are connected and should be sandwiched by the greatest gift of all, which is love for one another. No gift is more important than the other, really. They are all worked together for the common good. Even the gift of tongues. It only edifies me, but God may be edifying me to edify you some other way by another gift that I have. What are the spiritual gifts? They're supernatural ability given by God through the Holy Spirit to a believer. They are supernatural ability by, given by Christ through the Holy Spirit to the believer. Gifts are from the Spirit. At salvation, you get the Spirit. And as you walk with the Lord, you're walking in the Spirit, hopefully. And at the baptism, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit or saturated with the Holy Spirit. There's a distinction between spiritual gifts and human talent. Talent is a human natural ability given at your birth. Like, you know what? I didn't know I was going to be talented in sign painting. I could handle a paintbrush better than a pen because I did it so much of my life. I had no idea what it was. That is a natural gift that was given to me by God. And I was super fast. Other sign painters would come and watch me paint, and I could hear them go, whoa. I don't, God gave me that gift. That God gives you a gift, the gift that you use mostly, and people will go, whoa, when you use it. That's different than a spiritual gift, though, really. Spiritual gifts uh, is a supernatural gift given to you at your second birth. Okay, you see the difference? That was given to me in my first birth. My second birth, birth, when I was born again, I got other gifts from God. One of them I learned, as took a while, but I was teaching. I went years before I figured out I was teaching, you know. But you need to find out. A lot of you have gifts of administration, you know, uh, uh, whatever gift it may be. It's God that gives us gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, but one in the same Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, works all these things, and he distributes them individually as he wills. The gifts are chosen by the Holy Spirit. What is a, what is a spiritual gift? Well, it's a supernatural ability given by the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit to the believer. I mentioned that before. There are 16 spiritual gifts in three passages of the Bible. I'm going to read them to you, and I'm going to go through them quickly because we're going to rerun it out of time, and I'm probably going to have to continue next week because there's a lot here. There are 16 spiritual gifts in the Bible. Nine of them are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10, and I'm going to read that for you. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge, that's two, through the same Spirit, and another faith by the same Spirit, and to another the gifts of, of healings by the same Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. So there's nine gifts there. Here they are. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, have five more gifts. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to you, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who, has, he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So there's five gifts. Here they are. Number one is teaching. Number two is exhortation. Number three is gifts. Number four is, is uh, leading. Number, number five is mercy. These are all gifts of the Spirit. Now, there's two gifts. That'll bring it up to um, 16. 
um, well, three gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. For, the God, for God has appointed these in the church, first apostles. These are the offices. Don't get them confused with gifts. The offices is an, is an apostle, is a, a prophet. A third is teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing. And then here's the gifts. Helps, administration, and varieties of tongues. So here we go. I'm, I'm going to end it right here, and then we're going to get into the gifts next week. In these 16 gifts, there are revelatory gifts, power gifts, verbal gifts, and encouraging gifts, or administer, I'm going to say, others-oriented gifts. So here, here are the three revelatory gifts. They're revelations from God. Number one is the word of knowledge. Number two is wisdom. And number three is discerning of spirits. A lot of churches and a lot of ministries don't like that because you have to deal with the devil. I'm going to tell you what. If you don't know you have an enemy out there, you're already sunk. You're already sunk. An army unit has the enemy. They know their enemy. They study their enemy. They attack where their enemy is weakest. I mentioned to you many times, Joshua, when he went into, after he conquered the city of Jericho, or I should say God conquered the city of Jericho, okay, he went into the little city next to it. He only sent 3,000 men into the city. Ai was the city. He marched into the city, and, and, and they were shocked. He, 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 his army fled, and 35 of his men were killed. So Joshua went to God. He says, what happened? And well, God told him what happened. First of all, uh, one of your people took something I told him not to take. They were supposed to wipe everything out in Jericho. And this one person took this and that. Okay. So, so what happened was he went into AI. And you didn't ask me if you were supposed to go to AI. So he just marched into AI because he just had a mighty victory. Okay. Went into AI. A small city, 3,000 soldiers, they come barreling out, they lost 35 guys, Joshua goes to the Lord, the Lord says, well, you, you know, it was sin in the camp, on top of that, you didn't even pray and ask me if you're going to go in, so God said, okay, now you can go in, but Joshua studied his enemy, what did he do? He knew how the enemy was going to react, because he studied them. He knew that he was going to send the troop in the front gate, just like he did the first time. He knew that their, their warriors were going to come out of the city and battle them to the point where Joshua put a flank on the left and the right, and he sent another flank at the back of the city. So when all the warriors ran out, they were flanked from two sides in addition to the army in front of them, and the other warriors went in the city because all the warriors were gone, and he took Ai. Because he studied his enemy. You have to know the way the enemy works. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. If you run from a mountain lion, if you're, you're at a pool and you're drinking water and you're looking at the hedge line, and up there at the hedge line across the field is a mountain lion. And you say, whoa, you know, I'm going to take off. That's the worst thing you can do. You can take off, and that mountain lion's going to outrun you. He's going to grab you by the throat and kill you. But if you stare him down and you stand your ground, chances of him just would be most of his chances he'd just walk away because he don't sense fear. See, the enemy senses your fear, and you get defeated right there. You're scared of COVID. Pray against it. You're scared of a common flu. You pray against it. You're scared of a disease. Pray against it. You have authority. God wants you well. The leper came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. He said, and, and Dr. Luke tells us in his passage that this guy was full of leprosy. The leprosy, the guy with leprosy comes to Jesus after he comes down from the mountain. And he says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. Listen, Jesus was willing when he took the stripes on his back, predicted, prophesied in Isaiah 53, 5, and 6, and fulfilled in Peter 2, 24. 
It's done. It's already done. Claim it. Know your victory. The battle's won. Jesus, by his stripes you're healed. We've got to claim it. Even Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals all your diseases. And who delivers your life from the pit. Who forgives all your sin. You believe that. Who delivers your life from the pit. You believe that. But how about heals all your diseases in the middle of there? Let's move our faith up. Encourage one another. Stand one another. Stand on the word of God. Those revelatory gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Then there's power gifts. Here's the power gifts. Faith, healing, and miracles. You have to have faith to move that mountain. That's called the army artillery, remember? The miracles are, say, medics in an army as we went through. Okay. Okay, so we've got revelatory gifts, power gifts. Now we have vocal gifts. Number one is tongues. That's the tongues that's between you and God. That's the Morris Code. You know, I'm talking to God in tongues. The devil's sitting there going like, what's going on here? This is, uh, this is like Navajo language. I have no idea what it is. So he doesn't know how to counteract your plans. So it's an important gift. It's an important gift. Tongues. Then there's Tongues is number seven. Then there's interpretation of tongues. That means somebody who has the gift of tongues can, you get, so it's described in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Somebody in the congregation might have the gift of, of interpretation of tongues when a prophecy comes forth, which is the gift here also, a vocal gift, a prophecy comes forth in a language that you don't understand, and there's a person there that can interpret that language through the Holy Spirit to tell what the message was. That's a vocal gift. Tongues, prophecy, and interpretation of tongues. Then there's other orient, others-oriented gifts. Number one is encouragement. Number two, exhortation. That's why the God says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some, and all the more as you see the time draw near. Because if you forsake the fellowship with one another, you are missing encouragement from your brother and exhortation. Exhortation might be somebody come up to me after, hey, Joe, that was a good, Pastor Joe, that was a good message. You know, and that, that's exhortation. Somebody might say, oh, Debbie, I'm glad to see you here today. You came all the way from New Jersey. You know, that, that's exhortation and encouragement. And then there's other oriented gifts. This is giving. You support your local church. You support the gospel of Jesus Christ going on. You support your missionaries because most churches do support missionaries. Then there's gifts of, of, of uh, did I say giving? You know, some of you have the gift of giving. Some of you, you know, like to support your church. You actually, you know, give above your tithe. You give offering and gifts. That's awesome. You have the gift of giving. There's a gift of helps. The gift of helps. Well, you know, like there's people in this church. Uh, you have a you have a car that's out of commission. There's a fellow here that can help you with that, and he does. You know, if you're you know, there's a gift of helps. There's a gift of leading. There's leaders in this church. They know how to lead. And then there's um, mercy. There's people in the church that have mercy. You know, they feel as bad as you do as a loss or something that you just told them. They have, a mer they have mercy for you. And there's administration. You have to have administration to grow. Some churches are weak at it. But there are people with administration. And there's teaching. Teaching is another gift. It's also an office within the church. Like most pastors are teachers. Some are more pastor evangelists, you know, but most pastors are teachers. But some of them are more, some pastors might focus more on, on, on evangelism. I tell everybody, here's the difference between a teacher and a preacher. 
You take a 20-gauge shotgun, and you shoot at a target, and you see BB holes all over the place. Okay? That's a teacher. One of those things, or a whole bunch of those things, are going to enter into your heart, and you're going to apply them to your life, and you're going to go on. But there's some preachers that are like a rifle shot, like Billy Graham. Boom! If a man dies, can he live again? Absolutely! You go on with it. See the difference? Some pastors, I'm more of a teacher. Okay, Billy Graham is a rifle shot, right between the eyes. No, right in the heart, let's put it that way. That's a better correlation. All right, that's as far as I'm going to go today. I'm going to tell you that because we there's a whole lot more here, and, and I don't want to, you know, go rush through it and miss a lot. So next week we're going to continue. So this is going to be uh, lesson four, part two, okay, next week, and we'll continue with the spiritual gifts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the gifts, I'm going to tell you what it is, and I'm going to give you scripture references to that gift, okay? All right, Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Help us to realize that, Lord, we're in your army. We're one army. Quit fighting with one another, even within the same church or other churches with other churches, Lord. This is a message for message for every, every churchgoer, Lord, and especially every pastor. And, Lord, we pray that, that you will help us to begin to unify, Lord, that, that we might become a powerful church in the world today. And may it all be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you all.